Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays at 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time with the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. Good to be with you. Welcome back to you. And again, Maslow Appreciate that very much. We should continue to celebrate Smachot for sure. And the Jewish people should continue to celebrate Smachot. Unfortunately, even in the uh, incredible high of the holiday of Pesach, uh, the, as you know, the collective Jewish heart, the international collective Jewish heart was certainly in pain uh, with the uh, tragic episode of the um, murder of three members of the D family. We spent a lot of time talking about it, appropriately so. Uh, it certainly made an impact around the world. And Malcolm, aside from your reaction, which of course we'd like to hear, and uh, I always point out to you, and you always point out how it always seems the best and the brightest of our people are taken in these attacks. And I certainly want to hear what you have to say about that. But at the same time, you and I discuss Israel security on a regular basis. Almost weekly, we're bringing up the challenges that the prime minister and its leadership has to protect the people of Israel. Is it time to acknowledge that, unfortunately, these types of attacks are simply part of daily Israeli life? Well, uh, first of all, I want to just say that uh, there was other good news, that Shmuel and Leora Bach had a son, so I want to give Mazel Tov to them and Tina and Mazel to- Tov. <laughs> and to the Garden House and online of Baltimore family engagement. So we have to first uh, put that uh, the good news out. Amen. And talk about that, unfortunately. And you think about the, the D girls and, and their mother, but the, they, I think they were the fourth set of siblings right. in just a short period of time to be killed. And we cannot accept that that is something Israelis have to live with. And no matter what the world says, and the world seems to have no sympathy, I was listening to one report when we were traveling, that a man drove a car into a crowd in Tel Aviv, killing an Italian. A man. But if, if uh, somebody who lives in part of biblical Israel, then it's an Israeli settler, extremist, you know, murderer, every adjective would be used. And here, the indifference and the uh, reaction, world reaction, only encourages further uh, actions. And we have to go to the source. And it means getting, stopping the weapons flow, means holding to account those who incite, those who aid and abet, those who fund. And that means the PA, which continues to reward terrorists for the, for the, who carry out these assassinations and murders. Uh, and they, they give them lifetime pensions, their families' homes, and and, you know, we can say we hold back money, the United States, others, Israel, from them. But the fact is they have to defund them because the money is fungible. So they take it from other sources. You don't see the economic development. You don't see people being provided with assistance uh, because the money is going um, hundreds of millions to, to the terrorists. And despite the legislation and everything else we have, it doesn't it, – uh, it is not stopped. So the – we know the source, ultimate source of Iran is being behind a lot of the the incitement and the promulgation of terror. We know that the, that there is a going attempt to link the forces uh, from uh, Hamas and now Hamas in Lebanon, not just in Gaza, with Hezbollah, with the forces in various militia in Syria, with Iraq, with Yemen. And if you look at a map, that essentially gives Iran the ability to encircle and to fire missiles 
uh, at, at Israel from uh, many different sides. And the fact that the Hamas leadership is in Saudi Arabia um, doing the Hajj doing, uh, for, quote, for religious purposes. And so far, they haven't met with MBS or other leadership, as far as we know. Uh, it, that will be an important test. But the very fact that they are being allowed to, to travel internationally and uh, that we see the growing acceptance uh, of you know Iran and Syria and Qatar and, and all those who support the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, let alone the Houthis, it tells us uh, are all warning signals about changes that are afoot. Well, then I'll, I may have to ask the question a bit differently, but but certainly somewhat similar to what I said, w- with all this effort being stepped up against average Israeli citizens. I mean, do we have to expect that this is, in fact, a part of living in Israel? And I know it's unacceptable. I get that, but it, as this effort continues to be ramped up, the way you just described, from so many different angles. The security of the of the average citizen of Israel becomes more and more a question mark. Well, first of all, we cannot accept that. Second, it, you have to remember that it's a still relatively small number of people who engage in these actions, and the the vast majority of, of people in in the Shachim Arabs and in the various territories and under the PA do not engage in it. But they do aid and abet uh, often the, the um, Hamas leadership and the PA leadership uh, should be held to account. And, you know, we've gone for long periods where, where the terrorism was never eliminated but diminished greatly. Right. And that, in fact, they were able to prevent this year already a couple hundred attacks um, that uh, because of good intelligence, which is part of the answer, but you can't hermetically seal Israel. So there has to be responsibility taken by the PA and their security forces by uh, others to be to be held to account for failing to stop and to or, or let alone encouraging and using the school systems. And when UNRWA and others, other agencies, the UN or whatever organization, international organizations involved, that we have to go to the roots of them and, and root them out in Europe and expose them. And hold them to account. I see the UK is reviewing all of its grants to organizations in Gaza now, because of it. And so are so is the United Nations agencies and others. You know, they always come after the cows left the barn. But it's time to hold them all to account. So we cannot say we're just going to live with it and and it's going to be a, a factor of life. No, we're going to say that they're going to be held to account, and the leadership and whoever else is responsible will be held to account. Right. I just wonder, I mean, the prime minister, it's, it's his primary focus. Aside from Iran, I'm talking about domestic policy. His primary focus is that I'm going to secure the people of Israel. And it just, I don't know, it, it seems like a big challenge. And when he sits there at the Shiva houses, I, I certainly don't envy him that he has to be in that position. Uh, I can only imagine how he feels knowing that it's almost almost unstoppable to a degree at this point. Uh, what and, and the original, but you know, I love making this point, and I say it every time, and I always like getting your comment about it. I mean, I, some might argue that the reason is because all the idealistic and uh, and and uh, and 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 very um, uh, focused people on the future of the Jewish people have all moved to Israel, and therefore we are, you know, we're always uh, we're always uh, amazed at the type of personalities that we're introduced to during these tragedies. But as you heard the uh, the Hespadim, as you heard the uh, uh, the eulogies for the daughters and 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 the wife, and and you saw the disposition of this family, it it, it does it does 
make you wonder how when these things happen, so often the best of the Jewish people are taken from us by the enemy. And if people knew the story uh, of Rabbi Dean and his family, and they were all going for a Pesach um, uh, outing, and Mrs. Dean's uh, sister is married to a second cousin of mine, uh, and who lives in, in England, and his wife was there with some of his children. They were going with her parents, meaning the common parents, right. Uh, Mrs. D and my cousin to go to uh, Tavaria for Yontiv uh, outing, and the um, and and uh, learning the story about them, and and this woman, the the older daughter, was doing a national service, and the, but the remarkable stories and his reaction and the strength that he demonstrated yep. is superhuman. Yeah. And un, uh, not even understandable, uh, in my right. opinion, but by those of us who are here, as opposed to those who are, you know, I agree. ready to put their lives on the line just by living where they do in Israel. And we have a special connection, as do you, of course, to Efrat, and it's a, you know it's a place that's so beloved, and everybody around the world, you know, feels feels close to the community there. Uh, and as you know, and I said this at the beginning, this was not just their um, their loss. It was really a loss for the entire Jewish world. I'm sure wherever you were for Pesach, people were co- constantly focusing on it throughout Yontif. Constantly. And the other losses, the two brothers. Yeah, of course. Before, well, the both sets of brothers and uh, the little boys, uh, the eight and six-year-old, whatever. I mean, it's heartbreaking. You can't even think of. And I went to visit the father of the two boys in the hospital. He he was badly hurt. His legs were smashed. And I sat with him. And the whole time that I sat with him, he was showing such strength. And I know that afterwards, you know, he cried the whole day. But when I was there the whole time, he, he smiled. He talked to me. and We engaged. And his wife came. And she had just given birth, as you know, to a child yeah. uh, just a week after the murder of their their two youngest uh, sons. This was the uh, Arab Shabbos attack. This was the Arab Shabbos attack uh, uh, when the car ran right. in Jerusalem. Uh, Malcolm Holmline with us, of course. All right, so um, uh, bigger picture in terms of what the prime minister has to go through. It's in addition to the security issues. We know that uh, there are other <laughs> there are other issues making waves in Israel. Where now that it's been kicked down the road. Uh, we are getting closer and closer to some eventuality, or at least the the uh, hope for eventuality regarding the judicial reform. The president of Israel seems hopeful in his public statements about it. Can you give us an update as to what we could expect over the next few weeks regarding that issue? A lot of statements. Um, I mean, there have been some humorous moments like last week when the Labor Party announced that it was walking away from the talks when they weren't even party to the talks. <laughs> but the, <laughs> I mean, everybody is taking political advantage here. And the opposition, I think, thinks they have BB over and the Likud over a barrel, seeing their numbers drop precipitously in the poll. Uh, and so I guess they have no major incentive yet to, to give in. And the demonstrations continue in significant numbers. But the, the there has to be leadership that steps back and says, what are we doing to Israel, Israel's image abroad, to the, the economic implications, the political implications. And uh, I think that uh, uh, maybe the prime minister engaged in this in the wrong way because the principle of reform was something that was accepted by most of the parties that talked about it in the past. Uh, but uh, maybe he, he t- took on too much, too fast, too harsh. Uh, but 
uh, now has gave, gave everybody breathing space. And those who said that they want to have time to negotiate, they, they have the time. Uh, I don't think the negotiations are going well yet. Oh boy. Uh, there's still talks, but so far there's been no there, breakthrough. Like, and there was a lot of hope that right after Pesach. Right. There's like an unofficial May deadline, right? Like they sort of want to get it done in the next month. Well, they want to uh, bring it to the Knesset's uh, summer session and uh, try to act on it there. I I don't know that there's great demands generally for it, except, uh, you know, some of the Putniks and others who are pushing for it and those who want to keep staging and and, uh, not only demonstrations, but anti-government protests. Right. Uh, One of the most frightening, maybe it's too strong a word, but it's got to be frightening to you in some way, uh, the uh, American Jewish reaction to all of this. I didn't even realize that there was an effort uh, to keep Bibi away from the GA, which is about to happen in Israel. Um, And, uh, you know, I mean, I I can only imagine that uh, you you weren't recommending, no matter who the prime minister is, you weren't recommending that he be kept away uh, from any uh, major international event like that, especially one that's supposed to unify, uh, to a degree, uh, the Jewish people. The New York Times making a very big deal about American Jewish reaction to all of this as the Israeli government moves one way. What's the American Jewish reaction? What can you tell us? You speak to American Jewish leaders on a daily basis, obviously. Are things that different regarding Israel now than it was? Well, the good news is that latest polling and studies show that 80% of American Jews support Israel and that, you know, you have people who speak out and some who who sincerely believe this is a a bad move for Israel, bad uh, judicially, Uh, although a lot of experts from Dershowitz and 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 others, all constitutional lawyers who say that it is perfectly uh, in order and that the court, everybody agrees, and aggrandize too much power. But that there were there was a different way to have approached this, I think that would have garnered greater support and and not led to this the current stage of uh, of public uh, outrage. But I think the public has to say we're going to hold the leadership to account who don't come to an understanding and all come to an agreement. President Herzog is trying, and he's invested a lot of time in the, in the negotiating uh, uh, process. And the you know the the, the the invitation to the GA, which I didn't know until you just said it, I think you can't punish leadership because you disagree with them. If somebody particularly does something outrageous, yeah, people have a right to who have who they want and who they don't want uh, come to speak to, to it. But we have to think about the long-term damage that people who care about Israel or may think that they're doing something good have to think about what does the world look at this? Are you feeding the BDS movement every time they say, oh, democracy is in danger? Democracy is not in danger. You can't have all these hundreds of thousands of people demonstrating. That is a strengthening of democracy. It's, it's uh, people are not arrested for, for protesting against the government, even closing down streets uh, uh, of the government, uh, uh, of the cities, um, because uh, they're protesting and, and uh, the government has not taken steps to, to uh, counter it, to limit their freedom of speech. And when you see that they're marching with flags, they're not marching and burning flags, not looting stores, <laughs> they're not doing anything, but, but right. the image that they're creating, and it's having an economic impact when Moody's questions, uh, said not sure about the next rating or things, these are real impacts or they threaten some of the high tech people some of whom are, are just grandstanding because they say they're going to take their money out of Israel when their money was never in Israel and uh, and other things. But, but I don't, it's not that I dismiss it. I take it seriously. Right. And I, but I think that 
that Jewish leaders in America better think about the consequences of the world and when you their words and when you see members of Congress proposing conditioning aid to Israel now and feeling that they have the opportunity as well as the the enemies that we spoke about before thinking that Israel is divided when they say well you see reservists are not going to come it's not true there hasn't been one exercise canceled because of it there are some who threaten you know but it's it's a small minority and so far, they have not impacted Israel's security equation. Yeah. A lot of that on Israeli television when I was there uh, watching, they're always highlighting those, I'm assuming few, as you just described, who are threatening to leave the army or to you know create movements against the Israeli government. But, but, what do you, but in addition to the explanation and the responsibility that you're saying that American Jewish leadership has to have, I get all that. But the media takes such advantage of this. Listen to this headline and subheadline of the New York Times. Israel's right-wing government has Jewish Democrats at a loss. American lawmakers defending Israel have often fallen back on what they call the country's shared democratic values, but defending the current far-right government is proving a lot harder. I can't imagine, I hope I'm right, I can't imagine that democratic leadership, especially Jewish leadership in Washington, feels that different about Israel than they used to. Is the fact that that Bibi is, you know, continues to progress with this quote-unquote far right-wing government really a big thorn in their side? Well, Kevin McCarthy, who is Republican leader of the House, and Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, are all going to Israel in the coming days. So our large delegations and members of Congress, you see that the, the commitment to aid to Israel and renewing the missile aid on the stump still carried by huge majorities. There are big mouths and there are people who are in Israel who will take advantage of this. Uh, and sometimes because they are urged by elements in the Jewish community or non-Jewish community, but the fringe elements to to join in some of the you know, hostile expressions and write letters. As I said, conditioning aid is, is something that crosses the line. And when any Jewish entity uh, joins such an effort, I think they should be held to account. And the, but the, the uh, 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 number one, is I, that's why I gave the statistic, which I just right. heard yesterday, that the vast majority of American Jews still support, that we do have a problem amongst young Jews and young people, but it's about everything. It's about America as well. And, and I think what we have to do is to reinforce them and to hold to account when people make these outrageous statements about Israel is losing its democracy, Israel is doing, you can be critical. I think people have a right to differ with the government over this decision, that way it was done, even its content. But you've got to think about how you're saying it and, and using terminology then picked up by the AOC elements of the world. To, to attack Israel. Yeah, it's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. By the way, just in terms of the government uh, update, so, I, I mean, as you had indicated, the uh, it, it looked like Gallant was going to be dismissed as Minister of Defense, but he has not been. He is now back in that position or still in that position, and I guess that whole aspect to the shakeup and the media frenzy is now ended. Right? I, I lost the last thing. That the media I, frenzy. I, I assume the media frenzy about, you know, when he was fired. Yes, when, uh, uh, yeah, he's, he, you saw yesterday at the press conference, he made some strong statements. He oh, met with he? Netanyahu, and uh, they supposedly worked it out, so he's being retained. 
I think that was a smart move. Uh, unfortunately, the the initial threat to, to fire him evoked uh, a much higher grade of, of demonstration and uh, action. Um, even though I don't know that people would have rallied about Gallant under other circumstances. Right. <laughs> they would be able to name him under the circumstances. But, and, and he's a good guy, but, but that is, uh, uh, yeah. but, but it's important. And, and the one thing that Israel needs is stability in its uh, right. leadership and with Halevi and with the others, uh, uh, they, they have good leadership in the military and we have to retain that and stand behind them. Yeah, Gallant, right place, right time, good footnote to history. Um, has this strengthened the opposition? I mean, Gans and Bennett, they're both being painted. Again, you know, when I'm there, I get a chance to really see what's happening on these Israeli talk shows. It, it seems like they're becoming more and more high profile and that all of this is just helping both of them. Well, it certainly has helped, uh, not so much Bennett, but Gans is the biggest beneficiary. He's the one who's walking away with most of the chips from this because he's his uh, part, the latest poll thing gave him 29 seats, which right. makes him the biggest party and would give the, the left the opportunity to form a government and Likud is down. Um, it, it, but of course, all of this is uh, in flux and will change uh, daily and every week and every month. There's no move right now to, to have elections or to try and form a new government. I do think it's detrimental. I think uh, there are people who were strong Netanyahu supporters who now raise questions uh, about it. And um, so, yes, the answer is yes, it has helped the opposition a lot, which is why they don't have much of an incentive to reach an accord. Uh, uh, Lapid was here, and the fact that he's not participating in the state events for the 75th, I think, is really regrettable. Uh, I think for everybody, anybody not to, to join in the celebration. Uh, I think uh, Benny Gantz um, has emerged because of his style, and, and I think he's taken a more constructive uh, approach than some of the leadership. But I think Lapid and others, when they were here, resisted criticism, public criticism. Uh, at least that was the rule. That when Israelis traveled abroad, they didn't criticize right. the government in Israel. People remember Begin's very strong statements and actions in that regard, yeah. uh, and others. But you know, it seems to be breaking down. Did you see the uh, public pleas by so many, uh, especially families of victims of terror, especially the high-profile families of victims of terror? Did you see their pleas to keep the politics out of the Yom Hazikaron, out of the upcoming Israel Memorial Day um, uh, commemorations and events, and, and I don't want to say celebrations, but the uh, the memorials that are being taken that are right. going to be taking place Monday night and Tuesday? They're just publicly begging everybody to keep the politics out of this. That's how sensitive a situation it is. And even urging the politicians don't come, right? Uh, right. Which is, uh, you know, pretty dramatic move in, in Israel because these events, uh, like the Yom Hashoah uh, events, are are nationwide uh, things that everybody feels. You see, when Israel comes to a complete standstill, I, I still find those movies and yep. the pictures from uh, you know bridges and others where you see sure. everything in Tel Aviv come to an instant standstill. Uh, I mean, literally nothing. It looks like the birds don't even fly at the time. And uh, and Yom Hazikaron, too, because there's hardly an Israeli family that's not touched by it and didn't pay the price when you have more than 23,000 people, young people especially, who gave their lives in defense of the state of Israel, which we too often take for granted. And we everybody's an armchair general and sits back and tells what Israel should do and what Netanyahu should do and what the opposition should do. 
uh, they forget uh, what the cost is and, and that the enemies out there are still seeking the same end. They still can't accept the fact that a Jewish state exists in their midst. And, and still, you know, it goes to that fundamental issue of the right to exist, not, not even about any policy or anything else. Is the, do they still demolish the homes of the, of the, uh, of the terrorists? Is that still policy? Yeah. They still do. And do you think expulsion of the family would be more effective? you think it would be more of a deterrent or, or not really? Uh, destroying a house has proven to be a deterrent in the society, uh, uh, but you know that they get the money then from the PA to rebuild or buy new houses, right. and uh, that mitigates the impact uh, of it. And they get a lifetime pension. They get, I think, five times what a PA policeman makes. The terrorists in jail. That's why I and, wonder uh, if they were thrown out. If it would make a bigger difference or not. Uh, it depends where you're going to throw them. I yeah. mean, the countries around. Yeah, that's true. Stuff. By the way, because they could end up in a better financial situation wherever they go to as well. So they can be no, but 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 Jordan and others are not. They're not going to accommodate them. Right. They're not going to accept them. Uh, Jordan one time might have, but not today. And as you see, the relationship with Jordan are very strained. And uh, the king met with the Saudi Arabians as well. So, yeah. and and I I just remind people to keep track of. There's so many shifting plates. If all the meetings that are going on with Assad being uh, perhaps brought back to the Arab League with the, the Saudi-Iranian, Bahraini-Iranian, the UAE-Iranian ties, uh, the, the uh, talks between Syria and Turkey and Russia, China's involvement throughout the region. The, I mean, I could go on for a long time about yeah. all of the things that are going on now. There's so many shifting plates. Yeah, there's one you didn't mention, which I'm going to bring up in a second. But first, you mentioned Yom HaShoah before. I just want to acknowledge the 35th anniversary of March of the Living, a program that I'm sure uh, at the beginning had uh, its critics and people wondered about how valuable it would be. And it's proven to be quite remarkable, frankly, for both young and old alike. Uh, and it's gotten some high profile people to join it over the years, including this year for the 35th. So I wanted to mention that. Also, I don't know if you were as, as touched by this as I was. I thought the idea that our friends at Southern NCSY had to bring the cattle car replica to Times Square was just brilliant. I, I thought it was, I thought it's such a, a, an unbelievable opportunity for people to actually, you know, to actually see, visit, and and touch something that you know uh, represents uh, what it was like to be there at that time uh, in in Jewish Europe of uh, the 1930s and 40s. So uh, just uh, kudos to those who really used Yom Hashoah in a positive way this time around. I think first of all, the March of the Living, which I've been involved in almost since its inception, and didn't participate this year, but have many times in the past is truly one of the most remarkable and positive experiences despite where it takes place. Because when you see the 10,000 young people marching from every part of the world, and the, you see some of the Poles lining the streets there who live nearby, saying, well, where do they come from? What, what, this, you know, they're still astonished about the survival of the Jews. Uh, and the um, you know, people, as we lose, the uh, unfortunately, the generation of the survivors and the messages and the uh, firsthand witness that they brought, it's imperative that we find creative ways like what the, the NCSY group did by bringing the cattle car and by Howard's remarks and others there that, uh, you know, we, we many, when you look at the statistics and see that a significant number of young Americans don't know what Auschwitz is, don't know what a concentration camp is. Don't believe the number of six million that we have a tremendous educational job to do within our community, because uh, as we distance it from it, the young people, young Jews don't know. 
and and let alone the general population. And so it's a, it's more imperative than ever that we remind them that we remind them of the of the message. And it's not because it diminishes anti-Semitism, because I think the studies show that it does not have that impact. It's imperative that we know the history, because you, if you yeah. don't know your past, you don't have a future. No question about it. And those who, uh, again, as you just pointed out, those who went about it in a creative way, call it a vote to them. Uh, the, the, the relationship I wanted to discuss that uh, you didn't mention uh, but you've mentioned in, in a way so many times before was Iran and Nicaragua. The the <laughs> the press were shocked to hear that Iran and Nicaragua were discussing military cooperation. You have uh, been describing to us now for years Iran's influence in Latin and South America. Can't be a surprise to you. Uh, what can you tell us about this development? It's just consistent with what, as you said, we've been trying to get American and, and uh, officials, uh, others to pay attention to. And there are uh, people who have been founding the clearing call. And what, again, if I would say everything that's going on, how we're losing country by country, everybody's going to say, oh, it's all bad news. It's all terrible. It's reality to know how much Iran has gained inside South America through Venezuela, through Nicaragua, through all the Bolivarian states. And yeah, now with the change of Brazil, that uh, Lula gets accepted in, in, um, in Saudi Arabia. And, uh, you know, he's uh, a, a Mormon, certainly the uh, mirror opposite of Bolsonaro when it comes to Israel and other issues. But uh, virtually in all the countries where there were elections, Chile, Costa Rica, et cetera, and Nicaragua, of course, has uh, long been uh, since uh, Noriega's days have been has also have been on this track. Wow. And the and the, the growth of Chinese influence there and Russia, but Chinese in particular, because they're, they have the money and the ability as they do with their Road and Belt Initiative. Uh, they are growing in, in influence, the fact that they are the conveners of the meeting, because they're also the major, uh, between Saudi Arabia and uh, Iran, because they're also the largest oil purchaser from both of them. So they have always played all sides and both sides. When you go to Africa today, all you hear is complaints about what China, what China is doing, and, and the dependence that they build up when they go to a country. You know, they give them money and everything, but they do it on high interest rates. And then when the people can't pay for it, they take over the ports. They take over vital institutions. Uh, so China's involvement, Iran's involvement, the, the public uh, displays and uh, associations and the fact that you might have visits by the leaders of, of Iran to Saudi Arabia, to other countries, uh, and the foreign ministers already in UAE and, and other countries, Oman, certainly Qatar long for a long time. Um, the, 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 I can't even get the words out fast enough to say all the things that are happening, but you're picking up about uh, Nicaragua is very important, but it's only one of many South American countries engaged in this. Unbelievable. Finally, what can you tell us about United States submarine activity in the Gulf? So we have the addition of the USS Florida, which carries 134 tomahawks. I think it's an important statement. And the fact that the, um, the uh, they extended the deployment of the USS George H.W. Bush aircraft carrier group, uh, which was supposed to return to home base, but they've extended it to remain in the Gulf. Uh, I think it's an important message. It's uh, late, but uh, hopefully we have to send signs that America is not disengaging. 
that uh, America cares and the fact that, that we have some officials making statements that the Iran-Saudi Arabia thing is a good thing, you know, it reduces tensions and all that. Nobody believes that it's a good thing. And American officials have been in Saudi Arabia. I don't think some of those meetings went well. Um, they talk about uh, energy and then the Saudis announce again uh, that they're cutting production by half a million or a million barrels. Russia's cutting it and both of them make more money now because the price is higher even though they're producing less. So I think we're we're not in a great um, in a great place there, and and everybody will take advantage of it. China uses its road and belt initiative to extend its influence, economic influence, to gain energy, to gain political um, position, uh, and meets little opposition. And as we know, we see the threats against uh, our allies in in, the, in Southeast Asia that this is uh, this has broader implications. We remember those who've defended and have given their lives in defense of the state of Israel, and those who've given their lives in terror attacks in the state of Israel and, and really around the world, those who've given their, their lives in terror attacks because they're Jews. Uh, this coming Yom HaZikaron on Tuesday, Memorial Day in Israel, and of course Wednesday we celebrate 75 years of the uh, birthday of the state of Israel. And uh, Malcolm, I hope 25 years from now, you and I will be spending the Shabbat before uh, the Yomatzmut number 100 in the holy city of Jerusalem. And in the great synagogue of Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll even get you in a um, And I invite everybody to come, that there will be events there this week. And uh, as the president, you, you're all welcome to come, no charge. And uh, every Shabbat and every Chag, it's a wonderful place. So you and I will have seats, you know, like in the corner. We can say, oh, look at that, look at that, you know. Pretty amazing. Looking <laughs> forward, to say the least. Uh, thank you, Malcolm. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Well. Malcolm Honline is vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations with us Fridays, 7.40 a.m. Eastern Time for the weekly update right here at JM in the AM.